0: Lord, I thank you that you're in charge. I thank you, you're sovereign. Lord, that you're the creator and sustainer of all things. Thank you, Lord. That's, That's what expressed in Claire's prayer, her song. But Lord, we also join with Joe saying, Lord God, would you bless our town? Oh God, would you move in our communities? Lord, those that don't know you, or where we think of the vulnerable, whether it's the elderly or children, Lord, we, we ask, Lord, for your grace and your mercy to be released. We pray, Lord God, that we would be your hands and feet in the communities that we live in, in the workplaces, in the schools, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that you are the answer. You are the answer, Lord God. We're, we're in no doubt, Lord, and yet we, we look and, 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 and our hearts ache in a similar way to the way your heart aches for this town and for our communities. And we ask, Lord, for your blessing and uh, your grace and your mercy to flow in this season, we pray. Amen. Excellent. If I could ask you to take your seats, please. It's sold on Sunday this morning, so uh, if uh, you're aged between 11 to 14, um, there will be a work going on and uh, there'll be people who can direct you to where you need to go. My name's Paul, I'm one of the uh, pastors here um, of the church and it's my privilege to lead the team. Um, you join us uh, part, the way, part way through, or actually very, very much towards the end of a series that I am uh, preaching my way through, and it's based in the first few chapters of Ezra, and also in the book of Haggai, and uh, we, we've been looking at how um, the uh, exiled Israelites... Return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, and you may be sat there wondering, what on earth has that got? What what relevance does that have um, for 20th or 21st century um, Hastings? Um, hopefully, over the next uh, half an hour, I'll be able to explain some of the relevance and uh, what what it has to say for us, particularly as a church. So, if you're visiting today, I hope you enjoy being with us. I hope you enjoyed the worship. And I hope you find the the talk uh, helpful and interesting. Um, But it is, I'm aware, quite directed uh, for us as a church. But hopefully you'll get something from it. Before we start, I'd just love us to uh, pray. I really feel like I need the grace of God this morning. And uh, um, I'd also like to pray for the grace of God for you as well. So, uh, Lord, I I do thank you for all that you achieved for us on the cross Lord, I thank you that we are able to come with great confidence this morning. Lord, I do pray for your presence to be with us this morning. Please, Lord God, would you enable me to speak with real clarity. I pray, Lord, that this would be an instructive word. I pray, Lord God, that it would challenge in its right place it would stir, it would encourage. I pray, Lord God, that we would not be only hearers of the word, but we would be doers. And although this this message comes, and it's, it's, it's a fairly simple message, I pray it would be a very effective message today, in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, we're aware, Lord God, that we need your spirit, and I ask for your spirit's help, in Jesus' name. Amen. Just to set the uh, context um, for this, we've been looking at how um, Israelite exiles returned from Babylon, which is in modern-day Iraq, and returned to Jerusalem. It's about a um, 600-mile journey. You can't go straight across, you've sort of got to go up north, then across to the west, and then down south to get to Jerusalem. And we know from the Bible that Israel was God's chosen people. They'd been handpicked by God and he had made a covenant with them that he would bless them, that he would be with them, that he would prosper them and that he would give them a geographical area of land. He would, he would do them good, but it wasn't just a one-sided promise that, hey, I'll just bless you and do you good. It doesn't matter about how you um, do. I'm just you know a bit like a, a soft old granddad. You know, God's not like that. Hey, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter really what you do, I'm going to give you sweets anyway. You know? God, God's not like that. He, he made a promise to really bless and prosper Israel, but they, they needed to follow him with all their hearts. They needed to be set apart for his purposes. And for a number of generations, that's exactly what happened. Under King David and King Solomon, they did really, really well. God bless them. Geographically, the nation got bigger and bigger. Economically, um, they prospered. The uh, temple, the original temple, got constructed. and, And probably nothing quite matched it for grandeur, the amount of gold and silver that was in it, the dress stone and the timbers. It was a project of kings and it was a reflection um, of the prosperity and the blessing of God on the nation. And so there were seasons and times in Israel's history where they did really, really well. But there were also times and seasons in Israel's history where as a nation... And as a leadership, they turned their back on God. And rather than going the way that God had told them to go, they, they, they um, consciously and unconsciously rejected God and his word and walked away from him. And the end result of that rebellion and turning their back on God was that God exiled them to a foreign nation under a foreign king, but only for a season of time, for 70 years, until God stirred up a people to return and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. The place where God dwelt, the place where God's glory was to be manifest. God stirred this remnant. It was In the end it was probably just over 40,000 people that returned and 200 musicians. I've know I I've mentioned that before, I always think that's quite amusing. Musicians are an odd breed and they definitely do deserve to be in a separate category all on their own. But, but God stirred that remnant to return and they started to rebuild the temple. They actually did really well in the first 18 months. They, they rebuilt the altar and they started sacrificing and they, in a sense what it reflects for us as a people it was the, it's the worship. They got the worship back in place. They then relayed the foundations to the temple, but then opposition came. People who lived around didn't want them to rebuild the temple. They didn't want uh, the Israelites to become re-established in the land. So they faced um, opposition and the rebuilding work stopped. And it stopped for about 19 years until God stirred... A couple of prophets. One was called Haggai, the other was called Zechariah and they prophesied to the people. They prophesied to a man called Zerubbabel who was leading the people and Joshua who was the priest and he proph- they prophesied to the people and he started to stir them and say this great work that I called you to which you've become distracted away from it's now time to start rebuilding again. I'm calling you. So if you've got your Bibles, if you turn with me to Haggai chapter 2, I'd recommend you use the index to find it. It's not the easiest book in the Bible to find. It's about, if you're looking at my Bible, it's about what? Two-thirds of the way through. Go through Psalms and Proverbs and you'll get to Haggai. Now Haggai prophesies to the people of Israel for about four months. not just one prophecy. That would be quite long, wouldn't it? You know, if you think some of the contributions we have here are long on a Sunday morning, um, Haggai, no. He prophesied about four or five times over a four-month period. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw the house in its former glory? They asked a question. He got, God, is, in a sense, was asking the people, did, did any of you see the house, the temple, in its former glory? Are there any of you old enough that would have seen it? So, if you don't feel too bashful, pop your hand up if you're over 70 here. No, I can't believe you're over 70. No. Well, one or two I can, but. It was only people over 70 who would have seen the temple in its former glory. And as I mentioned to you, it was a magnificent structure. It was a magnificent place. When they dedicated the temple, the presence of God came and filled it so the priests could not minister there. It was was an amazing time, an amazing series. But he asked the people, he says, did any of you see it? Now, some of them would have seen it. Some of them would have remembered. Now, Now, let's have a look. What's the next question, he says? He says, how does it look to you now? How does it look now? You saw the temple in all of its majesty, in all of its glory before. How does it look to you now? Does it not seem like nothing? And the reality of it is it did seem like nothing. It was a muddy hole in the ground. Twenty years earlier they'd put some concrete in the ground. they laid some foundations, they were there, but for 19 or 20 years nothing much had happened. Does it not seem like nothing to you? And in a sense, I think, and it's quite interesting to see this, Haggai stirs the people up. He starts prophesying, and in a minute we're going to get onto to the first thing that he tells the people to do. But, but it's not God doesn't ask us to do things without giving us a good under, you know, He's not afraid of the circumstances they found themselves in. The, the people who were, who were back there and had been there for 20 years... Um, Nothing much had happened for 20 years. They'd faced opposition and, and, and it had all just gone a bit cold. Economically in Jerusalem, things were not good either. It says, if you read verse 6 of um, Haggai chapter 1, it says, um, You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Things in circumstances were were not that great at the time when Haggai starts to prophesy to the people. In modern day language, it is for us, you could say, before the paycheck has arrived, the money's already left the bank account. You know, the mortgage, the utilities, it's all going up, the pay's not getting any greater, financially, everything's just a bit tight. If you laid on top, hey, things aren't as good as they were 20 years ago, God, the glory! What glory days they were in then! And and in a sense, Haggai doesn't have a problem with painting that picture, but his first instruction to the people, who wants to shout out what that first instruction was? It's in verse 4. Be strong. He says, Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, all the people. And it's interesting, because God was calling them, and he was he was calling them to a great work, a work that they probably could not achieve actually no, it's not a probably they could not achieve it without the grace and the empowering of God.